Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we're continuing our devotional study of Matthew chapter 21. And if you're just joining us, I want to let you know that Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern time, we have this daily devotional Bible study. And we do that to help you understand what you're reading. So many women tell me that they want to read their Bible. They want to study their Bible. They just don't understand what it's saying. Or maybe they understand, but they're missing some of the history and the culture and the background because this was originally written to an ancient people group. So I invite you into this daily study that we have in an effort to hear God's voice more clearly in our lives. We also have a couple extra bonus resources for you in case you're interested on our Patreon page, if you want to go with the dive deeper level, we have journaling prompts every day. We have a kids Bible study podcast every day. We have family discussion guides. We have ad free episodes. We have lots of bonus content. So you can head to the show notes and see exactly how to get there. Or you can head to shehears.org for more information. So we're in Matthew chapter 21 and I'm reading from the NASB today. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with it. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them on immediately. Now this took place so that what was spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and had brought the donkey and the colt and laid their cloaks on them. And he sat on the cloaks. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Now the crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is Jesus, the prophet, the Nazareth in Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple area, drove out all those who were selling and buying on the temple grounds, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And those who were blind and those who limped came to him in the temple area, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and they said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read from the mouths of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise for yourself. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. Now, early in the morning, when he was returning to the city, he became hungry and seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves alone. And he said to it, no longer shall there be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. 
Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and said, How did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive it all. So this is probably a familiar passage for many of you. It's something that is typically preached around Easter time. And it's something that we, if you've been in, in the church, you've grown up hearing. And I think for me, there were some key aspects that when I learned them, it really helped me have a better understanding of what was going on in this passage. In general, this text, the beginning of this text is a messianic text, and it's interpreted generally within this idea of what it says in the Old Testament back in Zechariah 9.9. Let me read that for you. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So when Jesus applies this part of that scripture to himself, he's essentially declaring his own messiahship. But what's interesting is there were uses of donkeys at that time, but typically they were not for military processions. They were for civil processions. And so when he's riding into this city on the back of a donkey, this is not some triumphal entry in the sense of the Roman triumphal processions that, that you may be thinking of. Instead, this is a reception of a meek and peaceful king. And the original hearers of this message would have understood that. And so the leaders, the way that they would translate that word meek or gentle, it involved a sense of compassion and mercy. It was completely different than exploiting power. And so, yes, we're seeing this king come into town with this royal procession. But even the way that he did it was an indication that he was not coming as a military leader, but he was coming to bring the peace to the world. And so as he comes in and they are throwing cloaks on the road, that was essentially a sign of submission. And then the palms that they were cutting and throwing down, that in that time frame represented the nationalism of the Jewish culture and victory of the culture. And even at that time frame, you would have seen the palms on many of their coins. So when they're saying Hosanna, the son of David, that word Hosanna in the Hebrew means, oh, save. Part of the reason they were singing it was remember what time of year it was. During the Passover season, they would sing Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. Now, if you were not with us with the Psalm series, you can go back and you can listen to even just that section of the Psalm series. But I started with the Psalm series because we see the Psalms quoted more by Jesus and the New Testament authors than any other book of the Bible. It was essentially the prayer book and the hymn book of Jesus. But the Psalms especially were kind of like hymn books for the, the church at the time. And so they would sing those Psalms as part of their worship, their corporate worship, or as part of their festivals. And part of Psalm 113 to Psalm 118 was what they would sing during this Passover season. And so as they are singing it and they are saying that, it is an expression of this hope of the Messiah that Israel had at the time. And so then taking it one step further, I want to go back and read verse 9 so I don't get it wrong. 
It says, now the crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. By connecting son of David to the word Hosanna, they were essentially saying, this is the Messiah. It was this admission that they were recognizing that the son of David, through this lineage of David, they're calling on him to save them from oppression. And then what we go on to see after that is this scene that happens in the temple. And, you know, there are a lot of people that quote this this passage of scripture talking about anger and how, you know, it's okay to have anger and, you know, righteous anger and all of that. But I want to make sure that we recognize exactly what Jesus was angry about. It's basically a time where all these people are in the city and it's part of the Passover tradition that they are there and they have traveled and they have not brought animals with them. And so the Old Testament law would require that these visitors would have to purchase their sacrifices for the temple in Jerusalem. And so they sold doves because the doves were what the poor people could afford to sacrifice. And so while there was rich people that might have been sacrificing a lamb or another animal, the poor people, they were permitted to sacrifice a dove. And so part of this is essential. It is normal. It is necessary because they're coming and they have foreign currency. There wasn't like one currency throughout all of Israel. All these different regions would have foreign currency. So most of the Galilean towns, they had their own kinds of coins. And so they would have to change the money in order to be able to purchase these doves. And so this was a normal practice. What the problem was is those money changers would start to turn a profit by taking advantage of these people that they knew needed to buy these doves. But these were poor people. So these people that were money changers were essentially taking advantage and exploiting those that were impoverished. And that's what Jesus is upset about and the fact that it's happening in the temple. And so when he's talking about the den of robbers, they would have known at that time what he was talking about. There were cave systems that were in Palestine that were regularly used as the dens of robbers, meaning that's where they would gather all of their spoils and they would plot the the next step in their plan. And so by calling it a den of robbers, he's making this clear connection to what you are doing right here is that you are stealing from God's people and he is calling them out. And so that temple's purpose was to be a house of communication with God. And in the midst of what was going on, they had turned it into basically a casino, for, for lack of a better modern term. And so he is saying to them, knock it off. This is my house. And then what happens next, I love it's he's talking about how the blind and the lame are coming. And maybe you missed this. I want to point this out. Typically, blind and lame were not permitted in the sanctuary of the temple. Even blind or lame priests were not allowed. Now, they were allowed to attend the feasts, but they weren't required like the rest of the men were. And so by healing them and allowing them in the temple. Jesus is making this countercultural statement that is basically saying, this temple is my house and I'm going to do what I want in my house. I love it so much. 
And then finally, I want to just touch base real quick on the fig tree. And maybe you think that that story feels out of place here, but remember where we're at. They are in this place that's called Bethpage. Well, what Bethpage means in the Hebrew is house of early figs. This was a location that was known for having very early, very sweet ripe figs. It was known for that in the region. People would come there specifically for that. And he's talking about moving a mountain and then is essentially a figure of speech, which refers to basically impossible obstacles. And so when this whole scenario takes place, it does make sense because of the location that they're in. But yet there's something that I think sometimes we miss. In this place, Bethpage, where he's at, there should be sweet, ripe fruit, but there's none. And the fig tree was this appropriate object in this place for Jesus to use as a metaphor for Israel, because that's where they were. And Israel, of all places, should have been producing the sweetest, ripest fruit because of who they were as God's special people. But just like that fig tree that was unproductive, Israel was being unproductive. And because of that, it's being judged. And Jesus had just demonstrated this in the temple. So that's how the fig tree connects to the rest of the story. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and reread chapter 21, starting at verse one. It says, when they had approached Jerusalem and come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with it. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them and he will send them on immediately. Now this took place so that what was spoken to the prophet would be fulfilled. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their cloaks on them. And he sat on the cloaks. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Now the crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all those who were selling and buying on the temple grounds. And he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And those who were blind and those who limped came to him in the temple area and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read from the mouths of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise for yourself. And he left them and went out to the city of Bethany and spent the night there. Now in the early morning, when he was returning to the city, he became hungry and seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves alone. And he said to it, no longer shall there be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, how did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive it all. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this passage and the way that you just unpack 
some of the things that are heavy on your heart, God. Help us to see it for what it is. Help us to see your heart for those that have experienced exploitation and injustice, God. Lord, I thank you for the way that you continue to reveal yourself through your word and even how we see that the children recognize you before those leaders did. God, we thank you that the truth is, is that it takes even just the eyes of a child to recognize you for who you are. God, I thank you that you love us, that you care about us, that you have this rescue plan so that we could spend eternity in heaven. God, I pray for my friends today that you would continue to reveal yourself to them and that they would recognize how much that you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Real quick before we go, I just want to mention one more thing. One of the things that we see in this passage is that Jesus has a heart for those that are being exploited. And I have seen that firsthand, what the gospel difference makes for those that are in those kinds of situations all over the world. And so for that reason, I have partnered with Compassion International. That's now where the tithe of the show is going to be going. But beyond that, I want to invite you into this space where we have made this goal to support and sponsor 30 children by the end of the year. I'm so excited to announce that we are now up to 19 kids. So we just have 11 kids more to go by the end of the year. And if you don't know what compassion is, next month we're going to be having a question and answer session about all things compassion. And it helps you understand the why behind this partnership and why I just feel so called to join and partner with them in the work that they're doing. But I also did an episode a couple of weeks ago called From Fear to Freedom, where I interviewed alumni, uh, uh, Jay, who has grown up in the program, and he talked about the difference that compassion made in his life. I just want to say real quickly that I forget this because I've worked with a lot of people from all over the world. Sometimes that African accent, that Kenyan accent is different and difficult to understand. If that's the case, you can also head to our YouTube channel where it's uploaded, where if you can see him and you can hear what he's saying and you can see the captions, it might be a little bit easier for you to understand. So I just want to encourage you to listen to his story. Even if you're not considering sponsoring a child, it is such an impactful story about what God has done and has moved him from this place of fear to this place of freedom. So I would just ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us to support 11 more kids by the end of the year. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.